Welcome to Straight Up Small Business, the podcast for startup and scaling up entrepreneurs who are ready to take their business to the next level of profit. I'm Beck Buchanan, an accountant turned virtual bookkeeping business owner. I'm super passionate about small business and helping entrepreneurs fall in love with their numbers in order to achieve their goals. If you ever feel confused, unsure, or overwhelmed about the financial side of your business, then you've come to the right place. This podcast covers bookkeeping, finance, and small business topics discussed in a straight-up way. My goal for each bite-sized episode is to inform and inspire you to make the next best decision in your business, backed by financial know-how, so you can create the business of your dreams. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes, and let's dive in. Before we kick off, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the Bundjalung Nation, whose country I am on while recording this episode. I respect their elders from the past, present, and those emerging as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land. So wherever you're listening to this today, I acknowledge the lands on which you are and those First Nations people who lived and worked there for over 70,000 years. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Straight Up Small Business Podcast. I'm so grateful, as always, that you decided to tune in today. I've been getting quite a few direct messages via Instagram and also some emails about listeners who love the podcast and are getting a lot out of it or have had aha moments as a result of something I've said. Thank you so much for your feedback and for reaching out to me because these emails And messages are so special because they keep me going uh, and staying motivated knowing that I'm helping people. But today I'm going to ask a little favor in that if you're a listener, a regular listener, and you like the podcast or love the podcast and feel like it has helped you in some way, then would you mind please leaving me a review on Apple Podcast? This helps validate the podcast's popularity and to get it in the ears of more people that need to hear what I'm talking about. Thank you so much in advance for that. Uh, But let me get right into today's topic. So today I'm going to deep dive into superannuation. I feel really pumped to talk about this, if I'm honest, as it's very close to my heart in that I want to help educate people on the ins and outs of superannuation or super as I will pretty much always refer to it, because there is a lot of misunderstanding out there around this. And it's not your fault if you don't understand or know about the things I'm going to talk about in today's episode. This information isn't always readily available or well-known. So grab a pen and paper or get ready to make some notes on your phone because I'm going to give you the down low on Super right here, right now. This episode is intended for employers who pay Super to their staff, business owners who pay Super to themselves as part of payroll, payroll officers who are coming up the super learning curve and feel like they're not quite there yet, and also employees who want to tune in just to learn more about super and their rights. This episode will not constitute advice in any way. Rather, I'm just going to cover factual topics that I'm allowed to talk about in my capacity as an Australian BAS agent. I'm going to cover an overview of superannuation, the super rate changes that are coming up immediately, actually over the next month and over the next couple of years, super due dates, 
penalties for not paying super on time and how there is going to be an increased focus on non-payers by the ATO and some changes to super payments that are coming down the line in the next few years as well. So it's a lot, but it's a condensed version of important information out there. So perhaps after this episode, you might want to go and do some research yourself. Let's start with the overview. What is superannuation all about? Well, superannuation is money put aside by your employer over your working life for you to live on when you retire from work. You can only withdraw your super in certain circumstances, for example, when you retire or turn 65 years old. To ensure there is enough super when you retire, the government in Australia decides the amount of super, which is a percentage of earnings, that needs to be put aside by your employer on your behalf. This is called the super guarantee. Every worker in Australia who is over 18 years old is entitled to super. It doesn't matter if they work casually, part-time or full-time, they are entitled to be paid super. Note though that if the worker is under 18 years old, then they need to work over 30 hours per week in order to be eligible. I should also note that some contractors become employees for superannuation purposes, even if they're sending invoices and they have an ABN to their client. And this would be the case if they are paid to do work that's mainly related to their labor. So worth looking into if you have contractors that you pay mainly for their labor. The other thing I should just note, because I don't want to confuse anyone, is sole traders are not employees. So if sole traders want to pay super, they need to do it themselves. There is no legal requirement for them to pay their own super because they're not employees. And same with partners in a partnership. They're not employees of that partnership. So if you're a partner and you want to make sure you have retirement savings, then you need to be doing this yourself. It's not legally required. From here on in, I will just refer to workers as those people who are entitled to super by employers. Now, every worker in Australia thus needs a superannuation fund for that super to be paid into. Workers can choose their fund and tell their employer where they want their super paid, or if they don't have a fund or just don't tell their employer their choice of fund, then employers need to pay super into their default employer super fund. It follows that every Australian employer needs to have a default super fund for this purpose. And these are very easy to set up and they're free to set up. And when a staff member wants their super paid into this fund, or you have to pay it there because you don't know the employee's fund via their super choice, then you just need to set up a fund within the default super fund in that employee's name on their behalf. It's worth mentioning here that before paying into an employer default super fund, however, employers are required to check whether the employee in question has a stapled super fund, which is essentially an existing super fund that's linked or stapled to an individual employee so it follows them as they change jobs. As you can imagine, it's better to have super going into fewer super funds per employee so that that employee in question pays less fees to multiple funds and can potentially earn more on their super by having a bigger balance in one place. To summarize what I've just said, just in case you're glazing over, number one, 
employees can choose their super fund and advise their employer of that fund. Number two, employers must have a default super fund to pay super into if an employee either doesn't have a super fund or they elect to use their employer's super fund. And number three, before paying into a default super fund, however, employers should first check whether a stapled fund is available for the employee that is being considered. Okay, now, super is paid on what's called ordinary time earnings or OTE. Now, OTE is the amount you pay employees for their ordinary hours of work. And this includes things like commissions, bonuses, shift loadings, annual leave and sick leave. OTE does not include overtime, expense allowances or parental leave. Now, there's a lot more to OTE than that, but I just want to get across with those examples that super is paid on your ordinary or usual work, your expected work hours, not your overtime or your out of the ordinary work. At the time of recording, which is June 2023, the super guarantee rate in Australia is 10.5%. So on a salary exclusive of superannuation of $100,000, for example, super at that current rate would be $10,500 per year, i.e. $100,000 times 10.5%. However, take note. The super guarantee rate is about to increase on the 1st of July 2023 from 10.5% to 11%. So on that $100,000 salary example I just mentioned, super payable will go up from $10,500 per year to $11,000 per year. And the super rate is going to increase to 11.5% on the 1st of July 2024 and it's going to go up further to 12% on the 1st of July, 2025. Now, this is all very important for employers and employees to understand. If you're an employer who quotes the amounts you pay your staff as excluding super, then you need to be aware that these increases to the super guarantee rates are going to cost you extra money to pay your staff, regardless of any pay increases you may have intended to give or not give your staff year on year. And if you're an employee who is quoted the amount you're paid as excluding super, then you should appreciate that you're going to get a pay increase with these super rate changes. It won't be in your take-home pay, but it's an increase to your pay nonetheless as that extra percentage will be going to your superannuation. On the flip side of this, if you're an employer who quotes salary packages to staff as including super, then your staff will be taking home less pay in their pocket with each of these superannuation guarantee rate increases, because an extra 0.5% per year of the salary package will need to be put into superannuation. Now let me run you through superannuation payment due dates. Super is widely quoted as being due on the 28th of the month following the end of the quarter that the super was earned in. So March super is thought to be due on the 28th of April and June quarter super is thought to be due on the 28th of July and so forth. But the reason I'm saying thought to be due rather than due is because what is required is that super needs to have reached the employee's super fund by the 28th, not just be paid out of the employer's bank account by the due date. 
So what this means for employers with super obligations to their employees is that they should be paying super by about the 21st of the month following the end of the quarter in order to have the funds make it to their employee super fund on time. Now, just to keep things interesting and complicated, we have found in my bookkeeping business, Straight Up Bookkeeping, that a lot of super has been bouncing back recently. And this is essentially because super funds have been merging and changing lately. For example, BT merged with Mercer Super. So when an employee's super details change as a result of a change in their fund, they don't always tell their employer and super gets paid to the wrong fund and then it bounces back. And then the employer who tried to pay super on time ends up late paying super without even meaning to. As such, if you're an employer, you might want to consider paying super as soon as you possibly can cash flow wise to ensure that one, it reaches your employees fund on time and two, you have time to resubmit the payment if it does bounce. I speak from experience here. Now I'm going to cover late payments and penalties. So listen up because it's important and it's not very good news. Now, I'll start this section of the podcast with saying that the ATO's role in the world of superannuation is to encourage voluntary compliance with the super guarantee system and enforce the penalties of non-compliance where it needs to. Now, there have been penalties for decades, in theory, for late super payments, but they weren't historically proactively enforced by the ATO unless an employee had complained that their super hadn't arrived in their super fund account, which then alerted the ATO to investigate to see if there was a bigger super payment issue with that employer and and then they might impose penalties on that employer. So the ATO were being reactive in the past rather than proactive about non-compliance of employers. Thanks to real-time reporting of wage data due to single-touch payroll, which is now a requirement for all Australian businesses that are doing payroll, combined with super clearinghouse data where there's data matching capabilities, the ATO now has an understanding of which businesses are late in paying their super and is proactively chasing up those payments. The ATO is reported to be prioritising this as an initiative of theirs following an audit by the Australian National Audit Office in 2022, which found the ATO to only be partly effective in their role at addressing non-compliance with the super guarantee system. And their partly effective results have contributed greatly to there being an estimated $2.5 billion in unpaid super floating around in Australia, which they're trying to claw back and get into the super funds of the employees who deserve to have it in their super fund. (laughs) Long story short, the ATO is proactively looking into businesses who haven't paid their super on time and anyone who didn't pay super on time in the past and got away with it cannot trust that they will continue to get away with it these days. So what are the implications and penalties for late paying super, you may be wondering. Now buckle in and listen because they are big And they are meant to be big because it's meant to be a punishment to employers for not paying on time. If you don't pay your employees minimum super guarantee amount on time and to the right fund, you must lodge what's called a super guarantee charge statement with the ATO and pay the super guarantee charge to the ATO. 
Now, the super guarantee charge or the SGC is more than the super that would have otherwise been paid and it is not tax deductible. Now, what this charge is trying to do is charge employers interest in place of the earnings that would have accrued had the super guarantee contribution been paid on time for their staff. It also incorporates a $20 admin fee per employee per quarter. And the calculation is based on salary and wages rather than ordinary time earnings, which you may recall from earlier in the podcast, I said that ordinary time earnings doesn't include overtime and allowances, but salary and wages does. So this calculation, if you're a business that does pay overtime and allowances, you might end up paying a much higher super amount than you would have initially because of the way the calculation of super is based. Now, here's the clincher. Interest is calculated from the start of the quarter of the late payment quarter in question up to the lodgement of the super guarantee charge statement. It does not matter if the super was paid only a week late. If you don't lodge the super guarantee charge statement till a year later, say when the ATO finds that you've not lodged on time, then you will be paying interest for the year, not the week. And say you paid super a week late and super, for example, was $2,000 at that time. When you lodge the super guarantee charge statement, you're going to essentially have to pay super all over again, but this time at a higher amount, including penalties and admin fees. Plus, it's based on salary and wages, not ordinary time earnings. Now, you can offset the $2,000 in that example that you already paid against the super guarantee charge. But when you do so, that payment will lose its tax deductibility. There are also further potential penalties known as Part 7 penalties under the Super Guarantee Act of 1992 that could come into play if you fail to lodge your Super Guarantee Charge Statement on time or fail to provide information during an ATO audit. And the maximum penalty here is 200% of the Super Guarantee Charge. If you are listening and fear you need to lodge a super guaranteed charge statement, then you can do this in online services for business, or you can ask a bookkeeper or tax agent to help you. The form is not quick and easy to fill in, especially if there are a lot of employees involved. So I imagine most bookkeepers and tax agents will be charging for this service if their clients failed to pay on time and they were told to pay on time. All right, I'm almost to the end of what I want to cover in this episode, so hang in there. My last point is around changes to super payments that are coming down the line that I think we should all be aware of. In the Australian federal budget for 2023-2024 that was announced in May 2023, it was stated that Australia will be moving to payday super by 2026. This means that there will no longer be quarterly super payments due to super funds on the 28th of the month following the end of the quarter, but rather super for all employees will need to be paid every single pay run or at the same time as payroll. Some businesses already do this thanks to really great systems like Xero's auto super function that make it nice and easy to pay super with a couple of clicks. But many businesses don't do this for cash flow management reasons where they kind of hold out to the end of the quarter to part with that super cash and also just due to not having capabilities within their payroll system to pay as easily as a system like Xero auto super does. I think it's worth knowing, though, that this change is coming and being prepared for it. 
If you're an employer, then I would consider quarantining super savings in a separate account and never using quarterly super payments as a cash flow lever. And if possible, I would also consider getting ready for the change by paying super more regularly than the current quarterly due date, if it's easy for your business to do so. That way, when payday super arrives, you won't feel a blip in your cash flow or your operations. I will close off this episode, which may have sounded overwhelming in parts, to say that the crux of all these changes and penalties for late payments is to incentivize employers to do the right thing and pay super for their staff on time to the right fund and in the right amount. And the increase in super rates over the next couple of years, though potentially very expensive for employers who have a lot of staff, is to help workers who we work really hard (laughs) have a better retirement with more funds set aside for their post-work years. So it's a good news story for Australia overall, but there might be some teething issues while businesses get their head around the ATO's proactive approach to chasing up late super where they haven't done so in the past. My advice, it's not financial advice, just general podcast advice, is to stay educated and up to date with current issues, whatever side of the superannuation fence you're sitting on, so that you know what your obligations and your entitlements are. Thank you for listening. I wish you a wonderful week ahead and I'll catch you next week. In the meantime, please, please remember to pay your super well before the due date so that it reaches your employee super fund on time if this is relevant for you. See you later. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left a review. And if you're not already, please connect with me on Instagram. My handle is straight up underscore bookkeeping. And if you'd like to know more about how I can help you be successful in running your small business, please check out my website, straightupbookkeeping.com.au for details around my signature bookkeeping and zero course, Bookkeeping It Real, and also my done for you bookkeeping services. Thanks again and see you next week.